Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Disney Dollars, the one and only business-focused Disney podcast. How are you guys doing? I have been trying to escape my sister's guitar playing. She's been playing a rousing rendition of... I think it's called All My Friends Are Heathens from Suicide Squad. So that's the story of how I'm now sitting in the bathroom balancing this microphone on my knees. Do you like my devotion to this? I'm genuinely trying to put out an episode every week. It's just difficult. Um, You know, it's just not in my routine yet, but I'm working on it. Anyway, how are you all doing? Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Were you lonely? Don't you wish that we could talk to each other one-on-one? I just think it would be nice to have conversations with you instead of me just talking. Is a podcast the wrong forum for me? Something for us to think about. Anyway, today we're going to talk about Disney's dip into the fast food industry. The fries, the burgers, the supercalifragia chicken salads. Ahem. This period in Disney corporate history from about 1986-ish to the mid-90s, is my absolute favorite period in time. Because it's during this period of time where Disney, under Eisner, was looking for how it could grow. And Eisner was not afraid to try any crazy concept that got cooked up. That man was willing to take risks like no one else in Disney history has ever And something that's very interesting about Eisner's strategy is that he was very focused on how to bring Disney to guests wherever they are. That popped up in the form of Euro Disney that showed itself in Disney stores worldwide, and it was attempted in fast food. In 1990, there were about 49 Disney stores across the country, and Disney was looking for a way to drive more foot traffic into Disney stores which was honestly kind of crazy because at the time, a typical retail store was generating $400 in revenue per square foot. But Disney stores were making double that. Disney had no issue making money with its stores, at least not in 1990. But the fine Disney execs thought, hmm, you know what would be great? More money. So Mickey's Kitchen was born. This was a fast food restaurant that was built onto Disney stores. The first location to open was in Montclair, California. Upon opening, guests were so excited for the new Disney store and restaurant, the Montclair Mall was mobbed by 25,000 guests looking to try out the new Disney shopping and dining experience at their local mall. Press releases for the new concept restaurant claimed it would be a healthy alternative to the typical fast food restaurants, offering nutritious and wholesome menu items without straying too far from the expected fast food items. So Mickey's Kitchen featured a wide variety of menu items that were low in fat and low in calories, including meatless burgers, turkey frankfurters, and fresh fruit shakes, with prices ranging from as low as 50 cents to as high as $3.25. The whole idea for this restaurant concept was not necessarily to make money off of the food, but was instead to cause people to spend more time in the store. So guests would have to walk through Disney stores to get to the restaurant, and they could spend more time making up their minds on what to buy while they were walking there, going past merchandise, ordering food, eating, gazing at the shelves... The restaurant featured characters from Winnie the Pooh, Alice in Wonderland, and Lady and the Tramp, and the menu was similarly themed, with items such as Goofy's Burger, the Supercalifragia Chicken Salad, 
Can you imagine people actually ordering that? Salads in Wonderland, soupity doodah, <laughs> wouldn't have that nowadays. Fries shaped like Disney characters, Mickey's meatless burger, and Pinocchio's pizza. The kids' meal equivalent was called the Mouseketeer meal, and it came with a toy. It's hard to find any pictures from this period in time. I haven't seen any of the toys. I haven't seen what any of this actually looked like. I've seen like maybe one or two photos of the counter, and it basically just looked like a typical quick serve restaurant. I did find a review from the Los Angeles Times uh, from 1990, and the review said that Mickey's Kitchen is something of a suburban Toontown. Near the front is Winnie the Pooh Country with a separate yogurt bar. Off in the corner is a replica of Tony's Italian restaurant, the setting for the love scene in Lady and the Tramp. Sing-along videos of Disney hits constantly play on a big screen TV, the words and a bouncing mouse head appearing as subtitles. And the counter that you order at looks like a jazzed-up McDonald's. Things seem to go well enough with this first location for Mickey's Kitchen, and soon Disney turned to opening a second kitchen in a mall outside of Chicago. A Disney spokesman stressed that they were still prototyping the restaurant, but they were happy enough with the results from the first one to try another. According to a quote I saw from a mall owner, Disney executives had apparently discussed opening Mickey's Kitchen in 19 other malls. However, as quickly as this venture started, in 1992, the two Mickey's Kitchen locations were closed. While guest comments were generally favorable, Disney allegedly barely broke even with Mickey's Kitchen. Competition was fierce, with McDonald's leading the pack for fast food restaurants appealing to kids. Disney said that the store was just an experiment, and they were busy opening more Disney stores around the country and overseas to focus on also doing this additional restaurant concept. Additionally, thinking about the culture in the 90s, there was less focus on health concerns associated with fast food than today. Not many people were lining up for health food, even with a Disney theme, when they could just go to the mall food court to feast on some greasy burgers. But that doesn't mean that Disney never got into the fast food game again. In the 1980s, Michael Eisner, the best CEO that Disney has ever had, <laughs> was hard at work to make the Disney parks interesting to his teenage son. But seriously, he was working on making Disney parks appeal to teenagers. One attempt was Splash Mountain in Disneyland. And to drive up publicity for Splash Mountain, Eisner tried, first of all, a foray into rap music. I don't know what happened. And a partnership with McDonald's. This started the McDonald's Splash for Cash marketing campaign, where if you bought a beverage at McDonald's, it came with a sticker that could lead to discounts on McDonald's food, $25,000, and even free tickets to Disneyland to ride Splash Mountain. While McDonald's kept up its end of the bargain, massive delays in construction kept Splash Mountain from opening on schedule. Splash finally opened six months behind schedule in 1989. This marked the beginning of a rocky relationship between Disney and McDonald's. The Disney contract forced McDonald's to only advertise Disney movies. 
So popular movies that were released during this time period, including Batman and Star Wars, were both off-limits for McDonald's to work with. The contract with Disney continued throughout A Little Mermaid in 1989 and The Rescuers Down Under in 1990, but the partnership fell apart in 1990, allegedly after a Dick Tracy promotional campaign that Disney was unhappy with. Why? We don't know. But Dick Tracy has a strange and complicated Disney history in and of itself, where Disney didn't know what to do with the film's mature content and seemed to fight a lot over the writing. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. I don't know if I even know enough, really. As we get into the 1990s, we start to see two huge shifts in different industries. For Disney, we see the Disney renaissance really take hold as Beauty and the Beast is released in 1991. For McDonald's, fast food companies began to refocus their marketing energy on appealing to kids. Disney partnered with Pizza Hut for 1991 for Beauty and the Beast, where kids could get a puppet for an additional $1.49 with their pan pizza. And I think it's interesting to point out here, it's not as if the puppet came free with the pan pizza. You actually had to pay an additional fee to get the puppet along with your pizza. Just kind of a shift from what we see other restaurants doing in this time period. The Pizza Hut campaign also included a VHS purchase of Beauty and the Beast that came with a Pizza Hut value card, whatever that was. After this, Disney moved its promotions to Burger King for the next five years, allowing it to promote Aladdin, Toy Story, The Lion King, and more through toys included with Junior Whopper meals. This was a huge win for Burger King because some of the movies released in this time period continue to be some of the most prominent Disney films. Other than a brief blip in 1993 where Disney allowed McDonald's to promote the re-release of Snow White, McDonald's didn't get back into Disney's good graces until 1996 where McDonald's rolled out the Disney Video Masterpiece Collection trivia game. This game allowed customers to purchase food and beverages peel off the game sticker, and then scratch off the correct answer to trivia questions about Disney movies. The game had over 300 million different prizes, including a vacation to Walt Disney World, Disney books, and McDonald's food. This is the kind of thing that could only happen before Google was created. And according to the legend, librarians were so fed up with this promotion because people were calling into their local libraries to try to get answers to these trivia questions. Disney must have been pleased with how this promotion went, because in 1996, the two companies finally struck a 10-year partnership where McDonald's had the exclusive right, I feel like my voice is cracking and sounds horrible these days, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if I should cut dairy out of my diet. I heard this whole thing about how dairy can like wreck your vocal cords, so maybe that's what's happening to me, too much cheese. <clears throat> Disney must have been pleased with how this promotion went. Because in 1996, the two companies finally struck a 10-year partnership where McDonald's had the exclusive right to promote Disney movies in the restaurant industry. McDonald's paid Disney $100 million in royalties in exchange for the company's characters. However, the amount of money that McDonald's made off of this partnership way, way, way exceeded the amount of money they paid in licensing fees. This was a huge win for McDonald's. Movies from 1997 to 2006 were all included in the McDonald's Happy Meal promotions. The most notable movie promotion was likely the 1998 campaign for Disney's Mulan, where McDonald's went so far as to create a limited edition Szechuan sauce, which is still told in fast food legends today. It's estimated that McDonald's pulled in $1 billion, with a B, dollars from its partnership with Disney. But this partnership didn't just exist within McDonald's restaurants. In 1998, 
the fourth theme park on Walt Disney World property opened, my favorite, Animal Kingdom. McDonald's promoted the new park with a series of Happy Meal toys. At the time of opening, one land in the park, Dinoland USA, my favorite land, was sponsored entirely by McDonald's. At the back of the land still sits my very favorite Disney attraction, now known simply as Dinosaur, but known in 1998 as Countdown to Extinction, sponsored by McDonald's. This attraction made it clear that guests knew who paid for this ride. Every few minutes, the queue voiceover reminded you that Countdown to Extinction was made possible by a generous grant from the McDonald's Corporation. The overhead pipes in the basement of the queue that still exists today were once labeled ketchup, mayo, and mustard to reflect the McDonald's sponsorship. Other attractions in the land were also sponsored by McDonald's, including the Boneyard and Restaurantosaurus, which featured McDonald's food items. For this period in theme park history, Disney also had several stands in various parks at both Walt Disney World and Disneyland that sold solely McDonald's fries. Terry Fries in Dinoland, Magic Kingdom's Village Fry Shop in Fantasyland and Frontierland Fries, Fairfax Fries at MGM, now Hollywood Studios, just to name a few. McDonald's even had two full-service locations on Walt Disney World property. One was near Blizzard Beach and one was near Downtown Disney. By 2006, as the deadline came up to renew the partnership, both companies had benefited from working together. But times had changed. A new focus on the obesity crisis in America, exposés about the fast food industry and federal government programs to promote healthy eating had all taken some of the shine off of McDonald's. Allegedly, both companies declined to renew their partnership. According to a Los Angeles Times article from 2006, Disney wanted to distance itself from fast food. Disney shortly thereafter released new guidelines that prohibited licensing Mickey Mouse and other Disney characters for foods that failed to meet minimum nutritional requirements. It almost seems like Mickey's Kitchen happened a bit too early to be culturally accepted. And I think that if Disney tried this concept today, it might see a really different reception. But anyway, as the McDonald's partnership faded, so did McDonald's and Disney parks. Frontier Fries became the Golden Oak Outpost. Countdown to Extinction was no longer made possible by McDonald's. It all slowly faded into one sweet, salty, magical dream. But the good news is, after 12 years apart, Disney and McDonald's made their way back to each other, announcing a new promotional partnership in 2018. McDonald's announced changes to its Happy Meals to provide healthier options for children, also promising to meet Disney standards. And here in 2020, McDonald's is currently promoting runaway railway toys in its Happy Meals, causing adult Disney fans everywhere to start brand new collections of Happy Meal toys made possible by McDonald's Corporation. I would also be remiss if I did not mention that there is still a McDonald's on Walt Disney World property. The one that was at Downtown Disney has closed and been replaced by another restaurant. However, there's a McDonald's on the west side of Disney property. It is an 8,000-square-foot solar-powered restaurant. Yes, that is right. This restaurant is covered in solar panels, and it has a 1,700-square-foot living wall made out of plants that naturally cools the building and collects rainwater. So, I don't really know what is going on with this, uh, but it is very eco-friendly very sustainable, very futuristic looking, and who knows, maybe this will lead to a whole new era of Disney working with McDonald's. 
And maybe instead of focusing on unhealthy food, we're going to focus on reducing greenhouse gas emissions, which is a noble goal. And that is the story of Disney's foray into fast food. I'm going to be honest, if Mickey's Kitchen were still around today, I know I would be eating there all the time because I'm deranged. And I don't really want to get better. This is also likely a controversial opinion, but I think that Restaurantosaurus was better back whenever it was McDonald's food. Is that terrible? It's probably terrible. I'm terrible. Sit, 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 sit.